Hello, hello, it's Andrew Sweatman for Arthouse Garage, the snob-free film community that promotes moviegoing for personal development. Thank you so much for tuning in, and welcome to Season 2 of the Arthouse Garage podcast. Season 1 wrapped a while ago, and I've been wanting to jump back into podcasting for a while now, and with all the amazing movies coming out very soon, I thought, what better time than now. And the movie that really inspired me was the movie we are discussing this week. It is called Dr. Sleep. If you are unaware of this movie, it is a sequel to The Shining, the classic Stanley Kubrick movie from 1980. The Shining obviously is based on a novel by Stephen King, so is Dr. Sleep. He wrote a follow-up novel years later, and now it has been adapted into a movie. So the interesting thing about this is The book of The Shining and the movie of The Shining are famously pretty different. And this movie tries to be a sequel to the original movie as well as a faithful adaptation of the book. Obviously changes had to be made, and I am not someone who has read the book, but today's guest has, and he's going to break down all the changes that Mike Flanagan, the writer-director of Dr. Sleep, made in order to put this story together. Dr. Sleep follows the story of Ewan McGregor, who is the grown-up version of Danny from The Shining, now goes by Dan Torrance. There is also a villain played by Rebecca Ferguson named Rose the Hat, and there is a newcomer named Kylie Curran who plays Abra Stone, who is a young woman with the powers of The Shining. And the story follows Dan as he is an adult, He now is struggling with alcoholism in a very similar way that his father was, and he is sort of trying to suppress his shine, which is what they call the powers from The Shining. In the first part of the movie, he sort of starts to accept his abilities and and not run from them quite as much and figure out how to use them for good, and in so doing, he meets up with Abra and begins to sort of mentor her as she has powerful shining powers as well. Now, Abra is aware of the villains here, and that is sort of the setup for this story. The villains of the story are called the True Knot, as in tying a knot, and they are a group of people, uh, maybe not people, inhuman, we're not sure exactly, uh, at least in the movie we're not sure, and they uh, go around capturing children, basically preying upon children that have The Shining, and using them, basically using their power uh, by killing them to stay alive and uh, continue preying on more children. So that is the villains that we're dealing with, and this sort of all comes to a head. If you've seen the trailer, you know we do return to the Overlook Hotel at one point of the story, uh, which is a pretty powerful scene. Um, I'll leave it there and we can get into the conversation. But this week's guest is an amazing uh, filmmaker and actor named Johnny Brannon. If you know anyone in the sort of central Arkansas film community, you probably have met Johnny. He is the nicest guy you can meet. He has worked on several uh, short and feature-length films as an actor as well as behind the camera in various roles, including as a director. He is also someone who has read many, many Stephen King novels and was so kind to hop on the phone with me to discuss this new movie and all the the ways that it interacts with the original film, The Shining, with the book of The Shining and the book of Dr. Sleep and all of the interesting ways this story was adapted. 
Johnny also runs the Made in Arkansas Film Festival, which is a festival that celebrates through a few events each year, including their main Made in Arkansas Film Festival, celebrates the filmmaking talents of Arkansans and people connected with Arkansas. They do a lot to promote young filmmakers, so I really applaud the work they do. The Made in Arkansas Film Festival is really a must-attend for anyone who uh, is concerned at all with Arkansas and Arkansas film, and that happens each year in the spring. I will link to the Made in Arkansas website in the show notes, as well as Johnny's IMDb page, and you can check out all the film things that he has been involved with. One other note, we keep this conversation spoiler-free for about the first half, uh, first third maybe, and we don't spoil anything about the movie or either of the books that we talk about, uh, but at that point we do get into some spoilers, and there is a warning that will say, hey, you can stop listening now if you have not seen this book, uh, seen this movie. I say book because we also spoil the Doctor Sleep book, as well as the book of The Shining and the original movie, The Shining, if you have never seen that. So be aware of that spoiler warning about a third of the way through. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Johnny Brennan about Dr. Sleep. When I was a kid, there was a place. A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there... They come back. We are here with Johnny Brannon, actor and filmmaker. Thank you so much for being here, Johnny. Ah, thank you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast. And a big Stephen King fan. So I know you've read uh, The Shining and Dr. Sleep. That, is that correct? Yes. And yes, I have. a lot I of other Stephen King books, too, yeah? <laughs> I have. Um, I'm actually kind of going on this uh Stephen King uh, journey, I guess, and re- rediscovering like his novels. So um, every month I'm getting a new book on Audible, and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of going back and, and you know, actually, I think I'm going back in order because I went. I started with Carrie and then hit Salem's Lot, and now I'm back on the signing. But uh, what got me started really of, of revisiting his uh, books was the book Doctor Sleep. Mm, really? So, and uh, you know, since I knew that they were going to make a movie out of it, I was like, well. So let's just kind of go back and just Get you know, it, go yeah. through all those novels and see what wow. happens. Well, you're the perfect person to talk about this movie with. Um, oh, I think it's interesting. <laughs> so here's my kind of my setup question. So we live in a world in which we had recently Martin Scorsese writing an op-ed in the New York Times about what is considered true, quote-unquote, cinema and what isn't. And there's kind of this perceived battle in the movie industry between kind of artsy movies or at least the way Martin Scorsese was setting it up, artsy movies and then more commercial Marvel movies, capitalism movies, basically. Um, and and I was thinking about that as I was watching Doctor Sleep, and it I feel like it kind of straddles that line in an interesting way. Where mm-hmm. The Shining is this universally beloved classic, and and then so on one hand it's um, we're all going to be interested in this. On the other hand you could see it as a cash grab and what what uh, remakes or reboots can we pull out of the woodwork and um, we have oh, Warner Brothers has The Shining let's pull that out and and make a sequel it maybe is a little different because there is a book that it's based on but uh, where do you think Dr. Sleep falls on that spectrum between cash grab and worthy sequel well that's I mean I totally agree with you it really straddles that line and mm. um, I you know I mean I hadn't anything on you know 
social media about my thoughts on what Martin Scorsese was saying about the Marvel films mm-hmm. or superhero films and stuff like that. But, you know, I've, I've been quiet about it because <laughs> most of my friends are all like big, you know, Marvel, you know, yeah, fanboys yeah. or mm-hmm. fangirls. But, um, no, I agree with him. I mean, yeah. it, it's two different types. There's two different mm-hmm. types. Well, there's a variety of cinema out there. Yeah. And, you know, Marvel is, or DC, whatever, any, any of those films are kind of its own entity. Um, but I think that, you know, you know, we recognize the classics like, you know, Scorsese's films or, mm-hmm. um, who else was there? Uh, the, the Godfather or, you know, you go all the way back to all these different filmmakers, you know, Hitchcock and Spielberg and, you know, mm-hmm. all these all these different filmmakers. It, it's just such a different time then, and times have changed, and yeah. cinema has changed so much. I mean, at a accelerating rate. You know yeah. that um, it's different. We're in a different time. We're in a, a time where you know we the way films are made. It's it's almost like you know we let's get to the the point as quick as we can. You know, yeah. back in the day, you just kind of marinated a movie and everything was shot differently. Um, you know, the, the way, you know, you used actual film then now it's all digital. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's different. Um, yeah. uh, yeah. I, now as far as like, you know, Dr. Sleep goes, uh, I think, you know, Mike Flanagan, you know, did a pretty good job on, mm. on trying to bring the, the Kubrick classic along with, you know, his own, his own vision for the film. Yeah. Um, but there's a huge difference between Kubrick and Flanagan. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like sure, Kubrick, yeah. Kubrick has a very interesting style of directing, and his whole. And you know, of course, if you watch the, you know, I'm sure you've seen the documentary on that, the making of the Shining. I and how haven't, he, but I've heard it's so good. It's yeah, he's. I mean, he's a he's a general. So mm-hmm. um, Flanagan, you know, he's 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 a new guy. He's on a household name. You know, he's mm-hmm. done a couple of remakes. I guess he did Gerald's Game and. Yeah. Now he's doing this, but um, I don't know. I, I think he he brought an interesting atmosphere. Um, I say atmosphere, being he he kind of pulled what he could, I guess, or mm-hmm. uh, played homage, or you know, was showed some inspiration, I guess, from The Shining, and I could see a lot of that in Doctor Sleep. But at the same time, I saw a lot of that whole the the quick cuts mm-hmm. um, that the, his editing style was so different than what Kubrick's was. Yeah, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of slow dissolves, and there's a lot of a lot of lingering moments and stuff like that but this new ver- this new film it looked like almost like anything that you would see today like an Annabelle yeah. or an Insidious mm-hmm. or you know one of those type of films too so yeah, I completely yeah. agree yeah I think it's it's kind of a mixed bag for that reason as far as the the Scorsese debate I uh, I mean I think that that's just uh, better or worse the world we live in and capitalism has affected the movie industry the same way negatively that it affects a lot of other things but uh we can do a whole other <laughs> podcast on that probably but yeah i think oh, yeah. for me this movie does i mean justify its existence is a well, kind of a weird phrase but i hear that about movies sometimes and i think it does because mike flanagan clearly does love stephen king and his his story that he because this isn't you know a, a brand new story this is based on a book and i think there's a reference yeah. there for it but that said, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's hard to compare anything quality-wise to The Shining, of course. Um, but this draws that comparison for you. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, nowhere near to The Shining, of course. But uh, I did I did enjoy it overall quite a bit. Um, yeah. How does it compare to the book as, as someone who has not read it? Um, do you 
think it's a, a good adaptation? Well, um, let's say this. The, the, the Shining and Dr. Sleep uh, really have a whole different vibe from mm-hmm. each other, even as, a, as the novels go, as far as the novels go. Um, the side of the Shining for the, the first time back in 1996, and it terrified me. I was 24, mm-hmm. 24 years old, and um, 25, I can't remember, 24, I think, maybe. And um, uh, I slept with the lights on for three nights oh, wow. when I went through that book. And um, when I read Dr. Sleep, it it had a different feel. It wasn't as uh, haunting, I guess, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you you it's a whole different i guess uh you know the the bad guy in this one is is more of a it's it's a it's a different form of a of, you know you had ghosts mm-hmm. you had that you know all that stuff haunting of the hotel the hotel itself but in and that you know of course you know the hotel itself was was pretty creepy mm-hmm. um and it had a lot of you know uh, a lot to it but you know in this in the in dr sleep you got a group called the true knot mm-hmm. and the book, and maybe it's just because I, I listened to it on audio, um, I can't remember the actor who, who read it, but he does such an incredible job. Um, he makes the characters sound so, you know, creepy mm-hmm. and and disturbing. Um, but at the same time, King describes them as, you know, you know, you see that whole caravan of, of Wannabagos and, and, you know, you know, on the road and stuff like that, you don't even think about like, you know, who's behind the wheel mm, and it's just old people wearing, you know, uh, was it rose color, not rose color, but flower colored shirts, kind of like, yeah. you know, those Jimmy Buffett shirts, I guess, yeah. and <laughs> khaki pants and, you know, they, they look like your grandparents, but the way it was read in, in, on the book on audio, I mean, it was, they, he made it sound like they were really, really creepy people. Mm. And um, so, you know, there was a lot of differences between as far as like the tone of the books. Mm. Um, same thing with the movie, you know, uh, there's two different tones. Yeah. Um, but they were very, they were, you can definitely feel the connection, of course. And there was a, it was, it's almost like a, there was a distant relationship between the two or maybe a close relationship, you know, but, yeah. but going back to the book, um, yeah, I, I, I thought that, um, I thought he did a really good job on, um, uh, of, continuing Danny's story as far as like, you know, the first part of the book actually takes place mm. when he's still young and then it moves into, you know, his adulthood. I'll, and we'll get to that part later, but, um, but I thought he did a, a fantastic job of continuing. I, I felt like it, the first part of the book felt like new signing, you know, like, okay, this is still it. You know, this is still yeah. that part of the book. So it's pretty creepy. First part, but yeah. they're pretty, pretty creepy. That, that difference in tone that, that resonates because yeah, it is so different. I was almost, I mean, some people might watch Dr. Sleep and think, that the first, I don't know, half of it are, are even kind of slow, but I actually really liked that about yeah. it. It was really intentional. It ends up being a lot about his recovery from alcoholism and uh, going to AA meetings and all of that. I really liked all that stuff a lot. Um, and then, yeah. it, it, of course, kind of at the beginning and the end, I guess, is where it really ties into The Shining. Uh, we can talk about the ending a little later, but um, yeah, the, the yeah. tone is, is vastly different, and, and that, I thought, was a strength of the film. What what did you not like about the film? Well, um, let's see here. I, I, I think um, ah, some of the editing, yeah. <laughs> some of the editing, editing just kind of, you know... Uh, you can't but, not I compare mean, it to Kubrick when it's The Shining story, so yeah, so the editing yeah. especially should be at a high, high caliber. I've, I've, you know, and that's the thing. My, me as an editor on my own films, mm. I'm not a big fan of Dissolve. Mm. But you know, of course, you look at classic cinema. There are so many of them, and it yeah. works. And that's yeah. 
that's good. But like for my own stuff, I'm just not a big fan of it. And so there's, there's that, but, um, that's on the technical on the spot. But if we're going on to like the things that I didn't really care about, Dr. Sleep, um, was the things they left out. Mm. That was the most, you know, there was things in the book. Um, of course, you know, with, with every adaption, they're, they're, you're going to lose character development or you're going to use, you're going to lose key, um, characters or mm. key moments that make, uh, the film or make the book, I guess we're talking about the film, make the film, uh, or could make the film. Um, I don't know, you know, it, it, I think it could have like really grabbed people in, in, a, in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of characters that were left out. Um, there are some, some really interesting, uh, plot points, you know, as well that, that was left out that I think that, you know, in the book they were like, you know, Oh crap moments. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know? And so whenever I, they, whenever I watched the movie and I thought they left that out, I was like, ah, oh, could have like, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, he had to choose, you know, pick and choose what he wanted to put yeah. in this book mm-hmm. and, and this movie. And, um, I don't know. I just thought that he could have, there's some things that he could have, he could have left in that I think, and of course, I'm not going to say much about the ending. The ending of the book is, is great. It's like so, so good. And very different and, from the movie ending. Oh, absolutely. So different. <laughs> um, you know, and so there's, like I said, there's some characters in the book that, you know, uh, that play a bigger part in the film. And they, and they, they, they're throughout the film, you know, um, but they didn't, but he didn't really like capitalize on that for the film. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the one thing if I was going to say I had really any gripes was mm. what he left out, um, his choice of leaving certain things out. But yeah. it's one of those things, you know, you just kind of, as a director, you know, you gotta, maybe that was him killing his babies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So as someone who has not read the book, my, I really only had one kind of big level complaint and that was the true not the the villains especially rose they just yeah. didn't quite connect with me they i don't know the they felt uh, maybe i was expecting the tone of the shining but they felt almost yeah. a little silly or campy or something at times and um mm-hmm. it didn't quite jive with with the rest of what i was experiencing and then we'll get into yeah. the ending again a little bit later but I, the way yeah. that played into the ending as well i just didn't quite love but um yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, let's go ahead. Okay, I, I, so let's talk spoilers because I, I want to go and jump into that. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So if you good. have not watched Dr. Like Sleep. I feel like I'm holding my breath. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead. So if you have not watched Dr. Sleep, you can tune out now and listen to this later. But um, yeah, so as as Rose the Hat is the, is the villain, as she goes, uh, and it wasn't like it was a bad performance or anything. I think it's just that character is just feels out of place somehow. And so I almost have this as I wrote in my notes, actually, like they're treading on holy ground because The Shining is so beloved. And it's like, how can you go to the Overlook Hotel and and not, uh, you know, I, there's just such a reverence there that to even go there felt a little bit like sacrilegious or something. <laughs> and then especially right, when right. we had Rose the Hat, who I didn't really love, tromping around in the Overlook Hotel. And that was the moment when it's like, what have they done to The Shining? Like, here's this silly character that's kind of come into this holy place <laughs> in my brain and it's like ruining it. So that's probably an extreme reaction. I have too much <laughs> spiritual connection to the shining, but I, uh, yeah, I just didn't love that. I like that. They went back to the overlook. I knew that was going to happen from trailers and everything. Um, 
And I was uh, curious about how that would happen. And as far as like how that all played out in the end, I, uh, I didn't really have any, any gripes with the plot. Like, you know, if, if a villain's going to be there and then the, the sicking the ghosts on her and all of that, I thought that worked pretty well, actually. Um, it, it was really just, just the villains of the whole piece. I didn't totally love, but yeah, the interesting thing about that is that Rose, the hat and the book, um, she, she was described to me. I thought she was much older than what she was. Hmm. Um, I thought that, uh, Rebecca Ferguson did a pretty pretty good job yeah. at it. She's getting praised for her performance by a lot of like yeah, you know, I like her uh, as critics. an actress. Yeah, I thought she did really good. Um, I, I, there was a, there was several people in the of the True Not that they left out of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when they got the snake bite, Andy, um, mm-hmm. she was older in the book, mm-hmm. and there was actually a, a little bit of a romance between her and Rose of the Hat. Rose of the Hat. Oh, interesting. Uh, Rose the Hat pushed her off onto another woman, so there were there was a, a relationship between Snakebite and some uh, a woman named I think Silent Surrey was her name, mm. and so she played a bigger part in the in the book. Now, sticking with the book here, um, there was no Overlook in the book. Mm, the all. Overlook wow. is because in the original signing, the Overlook just was you know it blew up. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So like the same thing that happened in the ending of this happened actually in the ending of the book. Of the shine. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. so there was no there was no overlook. So what in the book it the overlook or where the overlook was is a campground, hmm. and the true not own it or they oh, they run it or something. Wow. So there's actually staircase that goes out that kind of like uh, you can go out and look over the the mountains of Colorado and it's called like the staircase to the end of the world or something like that, yeah. and it's like the last remaining part of the overlook. So, oh. um, so whenever there's the big fight that happens. You know, in the movie, they actually go to this campsite um, in the in the book to have this big battle. Mm. And Rose the Hat, I mean, if you look, if you think about it, like from the from the movie movie perspective, the true knot really never stood a chance. Mm. And it's same thing in the in the book. As as much as uh, um, Rose the Hat, you know, was supposed to be like this the fearsome leader, she was not never really had a chance against. Um, Abra Stone, the, hmm. the girl. Because um, Abra's character in the book was like, you know, Danny in the, in, in the Shining was like this little nuclear bomb like, hmm. when it comes to like his powers, you know. Um, the, uh, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Scatman Crowther's character, um, Dick Holleran. Dick Holleran. Right, right. When Dick Holleran told him that, you know, you can, you can, you know, just yell at me, I'll be in Florida if anything happens to you here. In the book, he goes, he screams out his, you know, Dick, help me, or whatever. Mm. And it hit him so hard, it bloodied his nose from Florida. Wow, okay, wow. Well, this girl, Abra, or Abra, I keep saying Abra, Abra, yeah. uh, is like a hundred times stronger than Danny was when he was a little boy. Oh, wow. So she can, like, she's like the most powerful, you know, kid with a signing, or with a sign gift. So, so that's why uh, Rose and then went after, went after her, of course. So, but the thing is, is that, you know, she was, she was a lot, I'll say a little bit more threatening in the book, but she, if you watch the movie, if you go see it again, she, if you, if you watch closely, they really never had a chance of, there was never a threat hmm. of, of them capturing her and doing what they were going to, and the same thing goes for the book. She never really had, had that much of a, of a shot, but, but, but there's a, there's, like I said, there's a lot more in the book, like, um, her, they, they touched on her, 
on her grandmother mm. uh, for like a second. Her mom was yeah, just yeah, to see her grandmother. That. Her grandmother played a huge part in the book, and she and, and Abra were or Abra were much closer. And um, oh, then you got some of the characters that Dan became friends with, like um, Billy Freeman, the man who mm. went with him to um, to Iowa to find the baseball boy. Um, Billy Freeman lives in the book, and he oh, really? he didn't die. Hmm. The doctor that he uh, he told where to watch was in the movie. Um, he was a big part in the book, and he actually was Abra's or Abra's uh, child doctor. So there was that connection there. That's how oh, Dan wow. and her got that. They were like, you know, because the family were like, okay, why are you talking to this? You know, why are you talking to this man? And the doctor's like, you know, he's he's a friend of mine, and so he kind of connected all that stuff there. But here's the biggest, the, one of the biggest um, things they left out of, the, out of the movie that I wish they were left in there. So, in the book, um, Dan's character is, you know, he's, they call him Dr. Sleep because when the patients, you know, start to, you know, and the, the cat, you know, of course, the cat was in the book and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, when people would pass over or whenever they'd die, um, Dan would, you know, do what exactly what he did in the film. Well, the girls, uh, Abra's or Abra's, um, grandmother was was going to pass cancer hmm. so he went through her mind and saw that jack his dad when he was young he was teaching in new hampshire and he had an affair with her daughter so it turns out that jack's half sister or danny's half sister is abra's mom wow okay <clears throat> So that's how the whole how they got that that connection there. So he really is her uncle Dan. Wow! Yeah, and, didn't even that was just like an honorary uncle in the movie. That's very interesting. Wow. Very. So and there was that. There's also a character in the. Okay, we'll go ahead and go and go to the ending because yeah. this is where I, I love the book. So in the in the book, there was a, a security officer that worked with Dan. He was kind of a jerk to all the all the patients, and he'd abuse them, and he was just a really mean guy. And Dan threatened him. He said, "If you ever touch these patients again, I'll I'll beat you till the you know till you're dead or whatever." Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the book, um, of course, Dan's alive. He celebrates 15 years of sobriety and whatever, and all everybody's alive. Billy Freeman, the doctor, everybody. And um, so while he's in at this hospice, that that security guard is actually dying, and he asks for Dan to come and kind of basically send him off and it's a really sweet ending it's, it's very it's sad hmm. but it's a happy ending and so yeah. Dan lives you know yeah. uh, they all live but yeah. that's yeah. the thing that I that just crushed me that, that you know yeah. they, they you know you know, vastly, so. vastly different. I, I'm appreciating a little bit more Mike Flanagan's predicament, though, because how can you not make a sequel to The Shining and and bring in some of that iconography? But then, how do you do that if the Overlook Hotel is destroyed in the book? And yeah, wow, that's and that is and very I, I think with, with what he did in the film with you know having all the spirits because in the, in the book um, that Silent Surrey was they were actually going to ambush Dan when they uh, showed up to the Overlook. Um, campground mm. and then he started opening up his mind like he started opening up those boxes and Horace Derwin shows up it's actually a creepy moment in the book where she's in a shed and she's waiting to jump out and then Horace Derwin's like right behind her mm. in the dark and he's wow. like great party isn't it <laughs> and then he, he, he attacks her so it's like oh my god 
um, and, and the same thing, like at the, at the very beginning in the book, you know, um, Miss Massey, the woman in the tub. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in the book, it's, it's just as creepy as you got to see mm-hmm. on the screen. So that was actually, I was like, oh, this is so good. I, w- I was wondering if they're going to keep that movie or not. And I was really glad that they did. Yeah. Yeah. I liked how um, they brought the ghost back and, and, and all the callbacks there. Yeah. I really, I liked the ending of this. I liked the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, I was going to call her and also. Oh, Played a, yeah. a small part in the in the in the book. He was he was he kind of showed up like somewhere in the middle. He had already died. Um, he had been di- dead for a long time, and Dan didn't even know it. And so he Dan Googled him, and he found out. And then while one of the patients, when he was uh, sitting one of the patients, uh, putting him to sleep, um, Dick came back to that person, to that person, and told him how to. I think I can't remember if he told him how to beat Rose the Hat. Or he, he kind of like, he said something to him. He kind of gave him some type of inspiration and some kind of closure. I think it was like closure. And so, and then, and then he was gone, you know, so he did call her and had like, like a very, very small part in the book. But yeah. I, know, I kind of wish they would have left that in there too. Like that you know, Dick just shows up and you're like, oh, cause it, it would have yeah. been a sweet moment. Yeah. Instead of him being like the spiritual guru. Oh, look, sort there's of. Dick again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of him, did you think that was a good, uh, you know, impression of, of previous oh. Dick? And I thought it was pretty solid. And, and then how do you think comparing, um, uh, so Dan's mother and then, um, so we have basically a Jack Nicholson lookalike right at the bar. It was, it was a little yeah. ambiguous about uh, whether that was supposed to be him or not. Uh, what what yeah. do you think about all that? I, I, I liked it. And, yeah. and so of course, you know, after reading the book and I went to IMDb and I was looking at the cast and I saw that there was a, there was a person cast as Wendy and a person mm-hmm. cast as, you know, Dick and, and Danny. And I go, Oh cool. They're bringing them back. Um, I thought the woman who played Wendy nailed it. Like really? every little, like her, the voice, um, of course, you know, if you look really close at her hair when they're watching TV, um, her ear is kind of poking out underneath her hair. And I remember that in the shine. Mm, wow. kind of bother me. Yeah. Like they were really like, I mean, the, the robe that she wore was exactly from the shining. Mm. Um, Everything when she was running across the whenever Dan and Dick was talking about the boxes by the yeah. uh, by the ocean. That was the moment there. when I was like sold when her voice when it was like high pitched because I actually just rewatched most of The Shining this week to kind of prepare and I was like wow that sounds yeah. just like Shelley Duvall, just like her. Yeah. And I was just like holy cow, and um, and I thought that was I thought I thought she did you know I thought I thought the little boy played Danny did a pretty good job. Yeah, um, but the guy who played Dick, yeah, I, I thought he did. I thought he did good. Um, the whole, but that, yeah, here's something interesting. Whenever the Jack Nicholson Lloyd situation, which mm-hmm. I thought was great actually, um, I, I he he tied in. I think um, Flanagan tied in that that part uh, of the book with Kubrick right there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he tied it in like a little knot for I think Stephen King because. He brought up the whole, you know, you're gonna, you know, take your medicine like a pup, big mm. a pup, and take your medicine, and that was all throughout the shining. Mm. You know, um, he had a croquet mallet, and he was, you know, running after Danny, and he was like, "Come take your medicine," you know. So when he put that in there, I was like, because we didn't see that in, in Kubrick, I thought that that right there ties everything together, um, and I thought that, you know. I, <laughs> I thought the guy, it was kind of neat because he didn't look just like, you know, Jack Nicholson. 
mm-hmm. they have a similarity to you knew it you knew it was yeah. Jack Torrance. Yeah, his voice was more but like Lloyd's I, though, actually. Which I because I was at was. first at first I was like, why don't they make it digitally sound more like Jack Nicholson's growling or something? But then I was like, you know what? It yeah. kind of sounds like Lloyd, so there's that interesting combination there. You know, I just looked it up on IMDb and the person listed as Jack Torrance in uh in Doctor Sleep is Henry Thomas, who is the kid from E. T. Who plays Elliot? Oh, you serious? That's wild. And I'm, I'm looking at his picture. I, it looks. Yeah, well, it's the, him. I had. I didn't even think about that. That's wild. Holy. Well, this is interesting too, and this is something that's a little far off. But uh, Henry Thomas shot a film here in Arkansas oh, really? oh, wow. uh, eight years ago called um, called The Last Ride, and he played uh, Hank Williams Sr. in his last four days of, oh, wow. of being alive, and they shot it all here in Little Rock, Benton, and stuff. But anyway, that's a whole different. It looks thing. like he's also a character in The Haunting of Hill House which is yes. Mike Flanagan as well. So I guess they have a, a little Make, bit of a relationship. Makes there. a lot of sense. There you go. I, I totally forgot about that. Wow. And he was also in Gerald's Game. Oh, yeah, which is another Stephen King adaptation directed by Mike Flanagan, right? I yeah, wondered yeah, if yeah. he uh, almost like earned his keep to be able to make this movie from doing a good job with that because I've heard Gerald's Game is, <laughs> is pretty good. It is. Actually, Gerald's Game is, it was a really good adaption. Um, yes, I agree. Wow. Um, yeah, that's wild. I had I totally did not even like <laughs> put that. Wow. He, he was pretty well disguised, I think, under makeup and stuff. But I he just clicked was. on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's him. Yeah, well, I really liked I um, about this movie. So I, I rewatched part of The Shining. Uh, most of it, I ran yeah. out of time. But um, I was just I hadn't seen The Shining since college. It'd been in several years, and I was just oh, kind wow. of. And also, I realized when I watched it back then, I think I had a DVD full screen edition. <laughs> so it wasn't like, it wasn't even letterbox. I was like, oh my gosh, this looks so much better than I remember. But then uh, just the themes of addiction and alcoholism being so much stronger than I remembered. Uh, I mean, I was yeah. a kid back then. I didn't pick up everything. But, um, and just, and I mean, now I'm a father. So that maybe there's a, a level of um, seeing the, the stresses of a father and then put alcoholism with that and, and seeing how it exploded and um, kind of how Kubrick was sort of exploiting some of those fears of uh, parenting yeah. and alcoholism and, and then how this movie picks that up and has a pretty redemptive arc again, very different than the book. It sounds like, but um, yeah. I liked that it went to AA. I thought some of the best moments for me were um, he's having his AA, what was it? Six months sober speech. And, um, he said, this yeah. is for Jack Torrance, and my father never made it this far in his sobriety. I thought that was really beautiful. And then what you said is straight from the book, The uh, Hospice, how he's using that, uh, The Shining, to um, kind of help people on their deathbeds. And I thought that was really, just really beautiful. And, and, and kind of, um, you see just the redemption of him going from maybe wishing he didn't have The Shining and suppressing it, and his, his powers are a problem for him, to full circle he can see how yeah what was the quote you're exactly where you're supposed to be and he was using those for good and i think that's a kind of a cool cool thing yep i i, I agree with you that's i uh it's it's interesting because i thought that um the film of dr sleep was a little bit more personal when it comes to the alcoholism and stuff because in, in the shining uh, you know we knew about it mm-hmm. um but it, it wasn't, it didn't seem like it hung over his head a whole lot. Mm. Uh, it seemed like there's other things, but that's, that's, that I think that could be, uh, it might be Stephen King toying with my head of, mm. of him just not being a big fan of the, of the film version. But mm. I thought in the book, of course, the book, The Shining, it was, it played, it was just as equal as Dr. Sleep when it came to 
really touching on his alcoholism and you know the things that it was doing you know doing toward towards him but also just like you said you know redeeming of Danny redeeming himself and going to AAA AA and and that's the thing that's like in the, in the book you know he, he he's doing AA and it's like 15 years later yeah. and you know he's up there and and it's it's really cool with a beautiful uh, ending yeah and using that yeah that yeah all all lost in the film version uh, i know yeah. I'm just, uh, that's, that's, sure. that's, the, that's the heartbreak <laughs> that i wish that you know but take you know it's it's a great adaption uh, adaptation of it it's a i thought even with the things that i wish he would have kept in i thought he did a great job tying both together mm. and um and uh, you know you know of course being a fan of shiny you can't have the shiny without the overlook you know and yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Kubrick didn't destroy the Overlook in, in the in the original, so you know, it's still there. But I thought whenever they mentioned that, yeah, it's still here. And well, we saw in the trailer too yeah. that, that the over he was going to go back to the Overlook. And I was just kind of curious on what exactly we were going to get to see. Mm. And yeah. you know, and I I loved it. I thought it was great. It's probably fortuitous that Kubrick did not destroy the Overlook because I cannot imagine this movie could have gotten made if the Overlook did not exist anymore. Right? Like if this movie didn't have any connections to The Shining visually. I don't think it would sell at all. <laughs> I just can't imagine that it would it would exist. So no, thank you, Stanley Kubrick, for that. Um, yeah, one one other thing that I thought was kind of interesting. I recently rewatched it, Chapter One, and as I was preparing for it, Chapter Two, and another yeah. kind of uh, just parallel there that I thought was interesting was um, the, the quote that I always remember from it, Chapter One, is Beverly says when they're kind of deciding, "Hey, we need to go fight uh, Pennywise," and uh, they're like, no, we can't do it. And they all kind of start infighting. But she says, I want to run towards something, not away. And and that kind of yeah. is a big theme of like her whole life. If she's responding in fear to something that um, it just that's that's not a good way to live. And I think that yeah. parallels what Dan does here, because when Abra first says, hey, there's these these villains out there that we need to deal with. Let's go get them. And he says, hide, like shut down, like you have to stay away. It's too dangerous. And you're saying that wouldn't yeah. have even been believable in the book because she was so powerful. But um, I, I think that was interesting. His first response was like, we got to run away. But then he comes yeah. to a circle on that too and kind of has a similar journey to maybe Beverly from it as we have to fight. And, yeah. and then it, as I was thinking about that, I think you can almost see the true knot is sort of like uh, symbolizing his mental or symbolizing mental illness at all. I thought of that when, um, when they made uh, his friend commit suicide, Billy. Um, and, yeah. and, and so, so they're sort of preying on people's vices and like twisting that kind of stuff. But um, then you could almost see that the ending arc for Dan as well as he's, he's tempted to relapse and he almost does at one point he's, he has a bottle uh, which was an interesting moment. And then at the bar as well, there's the drink in front of him. And, and so it's this tempting, is, is he going to break his sobriety and relapse and um, yeah. sort of by facing his demons and, and uh, coming to terms with maybe his childhood, he is able to continue that and, and have, instead of going from cycle of abuse, you know, his father was an alcoholic. Now he's an alcoholic, turning it into a cycle of redemption and, and uh, passing on. And then there's a cycle of passing this on to the younger generation as he's, feeding into Abra. So I thought that all worked really nicely. And I, I appreciate that about the script. Yeah. And well, here's the thing that, you, that was really, really interesting. And it's, it's, it's a book thing that, um, a small thing in a book was, um, one, the true knot, um, got a hold of the baseball boy. Mm. Um, it turns out that he had measles. Oh, so whenever they took his steam, 
they all caught measles. Wow. So each one of them were dying. And so they, they and that was another little plot point was that uh, they thought that Abra could heal them. Hmm, but wow. they were all going out like pretty quick. They were, they were like Grandpa Flick, whenever he was laying there, um, um, you know, kind of cycling. And that, that, that's exactly how I pictured it in, in, yeah. in my mind when I was over the book. Um, it was part of measles. Like everybody had it. And so um, I thought that was interesting that they left that, left that out. But Did they I mean, all die little, in about 10 seconds like the way they did in the movie? I was like, oh, wow, there goes all the true news. Oh, no. Uh, they, were, they were kind of split up. Mm. Like um, Crow Daddy and a few, a few of the guys went, you know, to, to find her in New Hampshire or wherever they were at. Then the rest of them stayed with, um, uh, with uh, Rose the Hat mm. in uh, Colorado. So, and there was actually a lot more. I believe there was a lot more. Huh. But, yeah, there was something like eight or they, something in the movie. Yeah, I think that whenever, uh, I can't remember what it was in the book. I need to go back and read it again. I've already read it twice, but uh, I think that, I can't, I think the measles did most, like a lot of the damage, if I'm not mistaken. Because um, everybody just started like, just, yeah. or shoot, I'm sick. So yeah, and then they and they're like, okay, well now we gotta get this girl steam because if we get it, then they should be able to save us, and because she was so powerful and stuff. But another interesting one. Yeah, I totally yeah. forgot about that actually. Yeah. Too. I was yeah. like, ah. Well, but, it's 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 hard to say. Like, so do you overall think it's a good adaptation? It sounds like it's a really difficult thing <laughs> to adapt. I do. Yes, it was. I mean, it really was. And if he would have, the thing is, if if, if he would have adapted it the way King wrote it, it would have been its own film, which, yeah. or it wouldn't have felt like a, a shining cause mm-hmm. or Kubrick shining. Yeah. But I do like that. He did take into consideration. Hey, look, we gotta, I gotta pull these two together. It's almost like, you know, uh, you know, he actually kind of like took Stephen King's hand, took Kubrick's hand yeah. and had them lock mm-hmm. fingers and say, look, you know, we're all, we're all going to get along now. Yeah. And because, Stephen King apparently loves this person. He felt he says it. He felt like Mike Flanagan redeemed uh, Kubrick. Yeah, which is very film. interesting. So he's pretty picky, right? <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> he, he <clears throat> the way he describes it, you can look it up online. It's, it's kind of graphic, but the way he describes it, it, you get the feeling that King really, really hated <laughs> that version <laughs> of The Shining. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting enough is that you know there was a 1997 version of The Shining too. Mm. Oh, I didn't um, know. I kind of like wrote that one off though mm. I never really got into it and um, I can so um, so Stephen King yeah. likes that one better it was closer to the novel mm. it was a lot closer to the novel and there's a lot of people that was in the book that was in well in Kubrick's uh, film you know you, when Wendy was running around the hotel when the hotel was finally showing itself mm-hmm. like all the ghosts were coming out you're like, what is that? And yeah. what exactly? Like, when yeah, I was a kid, it's pretty confusing and jarring. Yeah, the she runs up the stairs, and when I was a kid, I, it, it, it kind of always messed with my head because there's that scene where if you're that long shot down the hallway where that person, what looks like they're in a bear outfit, yeah, yeah, like sits up and yeah. looks down, and then, <clears throat> well, in the book, it, it explains who that person was, and that wasn't a bear outfit; that was a dog outfit, mm-hmm. and that person is a pretty mean person and pretty psychotic. I don't even think that that person showed up in the, uh, in with all the other ghosts. Yeah. But I, don't, all I the remember seeing him either. Yeah. Yeah. That, I don't know. The twins weren't, wasn't in the, in the, in the doctor sleep sequel either. They, mm. 
but that's yeah, the thing you know that's that, one of that, those that, that, that you can't thing. leave out if you're yeah paying homage in a way so yeah so it seems like uh, it's interesting that you said uh, Stephen King sort of it feels like this is redeemed because it, yeah you, it sort of takes takes the Kubrick version takes Stephen King's vision and then also in a way that studio oh, I'm sure was happy with makes this sort of mass marketable so it really is a kind of a perfect marriage of of uh absolutely of maybe a, back to that original question of is this just a cash grab or uh true art it, <clears throat> and marries the two really nicely so way to go Mike. Flanagan. yeah I think it's like the perfect time if, if it's going to come out well yeah. I think what uh shine came out in 1980 this came out in 2019 um I think that it's uh I don't know, you know, I, I was curious to see what happened to Danny when he mm-hmm. grew up too. You know, like Stephen King's been saying in his, in his interviews, like, what happened to Danny? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious now if he's going to like do that with any other characters. Like, whatever happened to Carrie? Well, we know what happened to Carrie White, but whatever happened mm-hmm. to, um, uh, to, um, oh, what was her name from uh, Firestarter? Um, uh, her character that. or, <clears throat> you know. Uh, yeah. But there's this whole, whole universe that he could continue expanding and, and do that kind of thing with. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, what can uh, what can you do? But yeah. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was a – I thought he did a, a fantastic job of, of, of uh, uniting the two films, connecting mm-hmm. the two films together. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious to see how, how well it's going to go. And I, if yeah. there's any deleted scenes when the DVD comes mm-hmm. out, I'm curious if there's anything they shot that they didn't put in the film. That will be interesting to see. And I also am very interested to see uh, what the box office does for this. Cause I could see it doing really well, but I could also yeah. potentially see it <laughs> bombing. So <laughs> fingers crossed yeah. that it just finds its audience. Cause I think it's worth it. And uh, I, I really did appreciate it, but we should probably wrap up a little bit time wise. Thank you so much for, for uh, for joining me was there any last words about dr sleep you want to throw in the ring definitely read the book uh, uh read the book. for anything anything like to fill in the gaps uh i couldn't i urge it any any be more like compassionate about my urging of yeah. definitely read the book for sure <laughs> but you need to read the shining first as well <laughs> yeah uh yes yes and i'm actually doing that right now i'm actually um in the middle of the audio book right now the yeah. time well, there's your homework. <laughs> Read two really big books. <laughs> but yes, uh, yeah, I, I, it's made me really want to to jump into some some Stephen King. I actually have never read anything by Stephen King at all. Um, so that's uh, it's time, I think. But. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, you can leave a rating or review. If you didn't enjoy it, leave a rating and review and let us know how we can be improving. You can keep tuning into the Art House Garage podcast every other Monday. And if you want more from Art House Garage, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have been doing some videos on IGTV as well as on YouTube. And of course, at arthousegarage.com, you can read blog posts and reviews all about movies and keeping it snob free. On all the social media platforms, as well as on Letterboxd, you can follow us at Arthouse Garage. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free. Thanks, guys.